0: This is <laughs> fucked. This is or good. we'll we unfuck it somehow.
1: I don't think that's we'll going to happen.
0: How are you today?
1: I, I want I to die. die.
0: Me too.
2: Yeah, ah, that's, well, that sounds fair.
3: Today is my day to give you guys a diatribe of some kind so you could just sit up sit down shut up and listen so today's discussion is by yours truly alex uh and i am discussing explosives and similar fare now to uh to give a bit more context when i say similar fare i'm also talking about some weapons and some uses as well as how they act and uh ways that you can detonate explosives by accident uh, I well, will not I be accident. teaching anyone any kind of methods to make explosives, outside yeah, of a well, very big description of certain weapons. I am not a chemistry major. I'm an IT major. So, if you want explosives, and fire, and stuff like that, hey, there's a YouTube channel out there by an Australian bloke called Explosion and Ire. He's real cool. And also, probably Nerd Rage and Nile Red. Those he is, great none well, is none of us. Great for chemistry. Which is does... none of us. Does he
2: actually teach you how to make a bomb?
3: No. But he teaches (laughs) you the methods that you could use in a fucking garden shed to make explosives. That's teaching
2: you how to make explosives! What the hell? That's
0: teaching you how
3: to learn how to make explosives. It's teaching you how to make it in such a way that you could use it for learning purposes only. Doing it on an industrial scale is a much more different beast. Because the methods he uses won't scale up properly.
2: Oh, so it doesn't scale.
3: Yeah. So like for, for back of the shed, fucking, oh, I've only got like five grams of this explosive. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But anything more? Um you're about to lose a fucking hand with the amount of explosives you have, and you may or may not decide to gas the entire damn neighborhood with benzene or some other exotic chemical. Through your process, yeah, yeah, and yeah also, chemicals. Depending on local government, you may or may not be punted down by your local alphabet soup. Yeah, when, yeah, uh, when I was soup. when I was a
1: kid, I used to make like dry ice bombs every other yeah. weekend, and yeah. I'm surprised that I still have all my fingers because it was only as an adult that I sort of learned how dangerous that shit was.
3: Yeah, and especially because plastic uh, likes to shrapnel. Yeah, not unlike glass, but it it it. it, it becomes more sharp and just likes to cut through shit. Glass will at least give you chunks of it into your
1: skin. I made one in like uh like a two liter Pepsi bottle, and wow. I, and then uh, I mustn't have put enough in because it wouldn't explode. It was just like this hyper inflated yeah. bottle. So I like yeah. threw rock at it.
3: Oh <laughs> like, my god! You would want to throw something that has really pointy and likely to break. Yeah, I so stood enough. over
1: it with a boulder and smashed it.
3: And it did nothing.
1: It exploded. Very lucky.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah, you are very lucky,
1: oh, yeah, did yeah. very like lucky
3: that, that didn't, you know, throw some yeah. shrapnel into your femoral artery between your exactly. legs and just have you bleed out or something stupid yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, moving. Uh, so that actually is a pressure explosive, and there is a type of explosive called a thermobaric explosive that operates on pressure, purely producing pressure, and that's how it kills. Oh. It's used in war. It is something is that... Like,
1: that the shockwave is, is what?
3: Yeah. Well, The shockwave so shock and the displacement of air. Um, right. Because it could also be a... You could also call it a dust bomb. Uh, but it's more... So in military applications, it's thermobaric. But in agricultural environments, when you have an explosion, say at a flour mill, that's a dust bomb. And
0: I've seen some of them go off.
3: Yeah, that when they detonate, you can see some real interesting things happening. It's it's and funny. that's just with flour, which you wouldn't think on its own would be you know explosive, but it, it, that's that's the thing. It's not on its own. It's it, it's in a very very fine mixture with the air. Yeah, mm. that kind of explosive ex, uh, needs a specific mixture of air, which is fuel, because oxygen. Yeah. and then fuel, which is going to be your flour.
0: So, uh, just just going into a bit, a bit of detail about that, about my experience with the dust bomb. Um, yeah. I, as a welder, I work on agricultural equipment, and sometimes we install that equipment. Oh, um, no. <laughs> You can probably see where this is going. Uh, now, it wasn't... The 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 dust bomb that went off wasn't in the area we were working, because we currently weren't working. We were just like we just arrived and started like unpacking all our stuff to install a new mill in where it was going, and like one of the the towers at this place, I don't know what the fuck they were doing in it, just detonated, like well, the the frame the frame and everything inside was solid but it's just you hear, hear this big bang and all of this all of the shitty tech screwed in plastic metal sheeting that's really thin just all got ripped off of it all at once
3: oh my God. yeah so it's a really high pressure and um it could have happened because of a bad bearing like say they oh, yeah. were having equipment moving uh flour up or grain up it could have been a bad bearing that just, just started to spark yeah. like that's how it happened at the largest silo explosion here in the states. It uh, you it it, it was significant enough that that silo and all the grain in it could not be recovered. Yep.
1: I've got so uh, two questions about yep. um flour dust bombs and things. My my first question is how does it actually kill or or, or uh, damage? So. The, you said the displacement of, of air. The displacement of. Displacement
3: um, of air and the uh, shock wave are primarily how it kills. The displacement of air because there's going to be a follow up fire. And the fire will consume all the fire. air, all the oxygen in the area, leaving it with carbon dioxide. And if it decides to react with anything else laying around, uh, whatever chemical byproducts come from that.
1: So if the shock wave doesn't kill you outright, you're just going to suffocate.
3: Suffocate or burn. Or both. Right. It's not. Pleasant. And
1: like, if you've got just like a packet of flour, like a like a two kilo, I don't know what that is in pounds. That's
3: uh, um, five pound odd, give or take.
1: Right, bag of flour. What are the the? I guess the damage that that could potentially do. Like, what what quantity of flour? What what scale does this need to be at? To be
3: dangerous, it, it doesn't need to be at a very large scale. The hard part is getting it just right. Because if the humidity is too high in the air, uh, you actually won't get much of a detonation, if at all. Like high humidity will make it so that the particles just stay down.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, so you want you want something dry. As to
3: happen. At least at least for specifically flour. Uh, thermobaric bombs are chemical dis- chemicals dispersed in the air. So maybe a thermite mixture just thrown around as a fine powder before a secondary explosive detonates the whole thing. Oh, um, yeah. It, like, weapons of war are, are different beasts entirely. Um, explosives yeah. have been used ever since we figured them out back in... And this is looping back into... Uh, uh, it's not Darien. Adrian. Aiden's. Aiden's Aiden. last discussion about ranged weapons throughout history. He, he touched on the Chinese... And uh, the Thunder Gun is what I described it as. I am pretty sure it would be literally translated as the Thunder Gun, but somebody can correct me if I'm wrong in the future. Man, and but, I but, when you say Thunder Gun, all I,
0: all I think of is the gun from zombies in Call of Duty.
3: <laughs> yeah. But um, the gunpowder has been used, gunpowder and other similar explosives, because gunpowder is, in fact, an explosive. It is not a high explosive because you have to contain the explosion it creates in order to make it uh, do something useful. It, on its own, if it detonates in the air on its own, won't generally do something that's uh, dangerous. It's a subsonic explosive. So, it's still plenty dangerous if you put your hand over it, but generally speaking, you won't, you know, lose a finger or two with it just detonating in your hand, unless you have enough of it.
0: So what you're saying is, don't touch the explosion.
3: Yeah, don't touch the explosion, and that's if it's sufficiently slow. You you heard it
0: here first, folks. Don't touch the explosion. There's been a PSA brought to you by the Casual Collective.
3: It's like holding um sparklers you could survive it you wouldn't want to do it though because it'll burn you it'll still cause damage it's just compared to other explosives for example tnt try nitrogen i can't remember the rest of it it's does it end in glycerine yeah try nitrogen glycerine it's such nitro- an so nitroglycerine is the precursor to tnt itself wonder if there's a more ENT unstable is... version of nitroglycerine. Yeah. Hold on. I need to pull up my notes, because I actually... That's a tangent I wasn't expecting to go on for uh, explosives, but in general. Uh... Oh, try nitroglycerine. what I think it should be. ENT. What about dinitroglycerine? No, it generally comes in a... Or oh, quad nitroglycerine.
0: Does it get more... St- unstable if you add more shit to it.
3: Oh, try nitro toluene. I'm sorry, that's oh. what that is. That is what TNT is. Try uh, nitro-glycerin is. Uh, is a... So toluene is generally a solvent used in a lot of paint thinners and other things. And it's been nitrated. Nitrating is when you introduce a nitrogen source to a... a an element that you're trying to make explosive. This is how a lot of the first explosives that we had that were on the cusp of being high explosives formed. Um, They were being formed because people believed in alchemy and thought, yes, this will be the thing that makes me immortal. Uh, They found explosives instead. Mercury Fulminate fulminate, as well as Silver Fulminate were some of the first explosives that we started seeing. Just just
2: imagine the first guys making explosives. I will be immortal!
3: And then bang! (laughs) Subsequent (laughs) explosions. Yeah, so silver fulminate and mercury fulminate—they're really early, early explosives that they were first prepared in like the eighteen hundreds, and they are the only other kind of explosives that we had, outside of gunpowder, which had to be contained. It's mercury fulminate and silver fulminate—all the all those other
2: fulminates—they're
3: mm. high in nitrogen, uh, but they weren't enough. They were used mostly in percussion caps because they're very Pressure sensitive explosives. So if you impact them, or if you push on them with enough force, they will detonate on their own. Yay. Or if there's enough heat, like so. In general, when you're thinking of a stable explosive, it's stable because it takes a lot of energy to get it to detonate, not because you can, you know, hit with a hammer. Or, well, technically, that's, yeah, it it's stable. So that's. Mm. That's the good part about it: is the explosive is stable. So you can pull. Yeah, it, in just... it Yeah, unstable so, yeah. explosives will degrade quickly and may spontaneously combust.
1: Like TNT.
3: Nitroglycerin is a good example of that because it's not stable. It's but very 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 sensitive.
1: Gunpowder has obviously gotten more stable as it's been refined and oh. as we've developed it. Yeah. Um. I guess. Do you know much about how? unstable it was in its sort of foundations
3: when it first was developed it was a lot more unstable and it was also very smoky because uh, the first formulation used a lot of sulfur along with carbon and uh, saltpeter which i can't remember what that formula is but it um that was smoke uh, that, that is gunpowder as we know it for reenactment purposes uh, we didn't get developed smokeless gunpowder until i th- I think the early eighteen hundred, like late to mid-1800s. And that's when we started seeing um, new kinds of explosives being developed. So and That also they, coincides
1: with the invention of uh, self-loading and automatic weapons.
3: Yeah, and it generally um, there's a lot of... So the big explosives that we've had use in war especially are rdx and tnt and a couple other like weird amalgamations that are hard to find a lot of solid research on right now at least for where i'm at because my research tools weren't quite up to snuff i think so sometimes um my information will be very bad because i'm going off of old books that i found and trying to find more information off of wikipedia and other sites it's not the best
2: well i you wouldn't expect it to, though, because if there's too much information on it, other people can recreate it, and then...
3: Yeah, it's pretty bad know. sometimes. But, um... Speaking of the explosions and their uses, a lot of people nowadays, when they think of an explosion... What do you think of when you think of an explosive?
1: When I think See of explosives.
3: When you I mean, you've C4. got the, uh,
1: the comical bundle of dynamite with a timer and a ton of wires,
3: yeah, or that's what you think of when you think of a bomb. But when you think of an explosive, specifically explosive, the first thing that comes to your mind, C four. Uh,
1: probably, I'd say probably a stick of dynamite for me.
3: Stick of dynamite, C four, maybe Both even C five. Are... Well, C five is something. I'm pretty sure C five isn't a thing. I'm pretty sure it's not. E5 explosive. Let's see. Nope. It might be, though. It might have been in development at one point. C6?
2: Troy's <laughs> so just,
1: I mean,
3: so just four, throwing crap
2: out now.
1: <laughs> is the 4 the iteration? Like, was there once a C1, 2, and 3?
3: Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, plastici- oh, So variants of, have different proportions of plasticizers and different composi- compositions. Uh, RDX-based material. It was an RDX-based material that was developed by the British during World War II, and was redeveloped as Composition C when introduced to the, the U.S. military. Oh, so See
1: there's four, been so, four iterations,
3: so, but they not been named that.
0: So. So, so the British C-4 was just called 4.
3: RDX. No, it was called RDX, mixed with a plasticizer.
0: Yeah, so no that, mix, it, that it. mix was just called 4.
3: No. No. I'm no? Re- pretty sure the mix was prior to. Inter- so, when it was with the British, it wasn't c- called Composition C. It was RDX. So, it was
0: RDX 4.
3: No. It was only RDX. Well, where did the
0: Americans get the 4 from?
3: It's we got the three Composition three 4 years.
0: from when they made we made
3: our Lundlease version of it, of it, and we uh, made it. Using a plasticizer and a couple other things, and there's actually a version, a composition C H six. So, eh, maybe. So there is a, but C6. a lot of. Yeah. So, but no C five. other plastic explosives are there? Well, so there's RDX, uh, also known as hexogen. Um, let's see, HPs uh, sorry, H six, which is mixed with paraffin and wax. Uh, part of aluminum and a couple other uh, explosives. There's PBX, which is a polymer polymer bonded explosives, and I'm pretty sure that's just a class of explosives. There isn't a single uh explosive that I'm aware of off the top of my head that has just its name as being a, as PBX. No, it's, they're like I think Semtex, which oh, yeah, right. that's a uh, de- and detonation cord, which I'm pretty sure is still. Still uh, a type of Ppx, and then there's also Petra type, te- penta uh, Ethyl Tyrol Heterinate. It's really hard to say chemical names. I give up. Uh, P E T N. That's what it's called. And it was developed in Russia. I, if I'm reading the the notes I have correctly.
1: And so, what are but, the practical applications of plastic explosives?
3: Uh, shape charges. Um, a greater feeling for explosives in general. Uh, you can also make them more stable. You can
0: make circles with explosives.
3: Yeah, so so shaped charges especially uh, benefit from plastic explosives, and uh, there's also something called a Hesh shell for weapons systems such like the uh, M1 Abrams and the Leo you, and boys. the other tanks. The well, Hesh is a high explosive squash head, and what it has is a bullet, basically, made of bullet. high explosive. Uh, yeah, of, of made a, it's a bullet because the bullet, bullet, bullet itself is. Yeah, big bullet. But <laughs> it is a plastic explosive that is shot from the barrel with a detonator on the back. And it will impact against the side of the target, spread out a little bit, and the, the detonator, once it decides to detonate, detonate will co- detonate the explosive. It doesn't need to penetrate to do damage. This is because of spalling, which happens when an armor doesn't have a spall liner, which is generally Kevlar and epoxy on the inside of the tank to catch shrapnel when the steel or the iron or whatever you're using for your tank's armor decides to break away from the subsequent shock going through the metal or through the material and breaking bits and pieces of it off on the inside of the tank.
1: Yes. I've got an episode of this in the future in terms of historical uh, contexts where the armor that you're wearing can become deadlier as shrapnel than.
3: Yes. Especially a high hardness armor because while it can resist more impacts, uh, when it breaks, it's a very brittle break. So it's a little plastic deformation. It's a very quick and hard and break shattered. with lots of shrapnel yeah. it shatters like glass that's that would be a brutal break but a plastic mm. break is like bending a piece of plastic until it snaps or until a piece of copper snaps
1: mm, you get cuz bend a little on bit on and that. go back and you get like the cool spread out sort of star shaped on the edges yeah. of the hole but nothing actually breaks off
3: yeah or, or it'll uh, just barely hang on, because there's there's a lot of cool stuff. I haven't been able, ab- I haven't ever been able to find photos of the interior of a tank after a Hess shell has hit it. Generally, because it also detonates the ammo, so the subsequent <laughs> explosion is not fun.
0: And I, I don't imagine um, it'd be too good on the people
3: either. No, but uh, war is never clean, and no. war is never pretty. But... If it is, it's because somebody was making it pretty at that time.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. So, so there are other uses for explosives that aren't war-based.
3: No. Um, There are, for example, uses of it in fireworks. Like, just recreational purposes. And speaking of that, fireworks are a big thing in China because culturally, what they would use the gunpowder for in explosives is to drive away evil spirits. Uh, How well that works? Well... Look at China's history and see how many times they've broken apart, reformed, broken apart, reformed.
1: I mean, I a bit see the logic, meme. though. You know, if we're terrified yeah. of of massive bang, chances are the spirits will be too. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I get that.
3: And, and sometimes, and that's why they have their roofs sloped so that spirits coming back down can ride the slope and go back up. It, there's that's okay. That one's probably just pure conjecture on somebody else's part that I'm parroting because I didn't learn better. Mm. But, um, there's but, also uses in mining and um, actually uses in welding. Yes. It's explosively yeah, formed water barrels, for example. If you need a spherical storage vessel for something, you can yeah. fill it with water after you weld it into the shape of a really boxy hexagon, cap it, it off, my put my an mother. explosive in it, and then detonate the explosive. And the water will form into a perfect sphere. Yeah. Form it's it pretty cool. It's really cool. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can find a video of it actually happening. Hold on. hydro I've seen formation. it. Formation. So, formation. As, that's what I'm going to call it because, yeah, explosive hydroforming is what it's called. <laughs> and I'm trying to find a quick video for y'all, but I uh, know this is just actually a company. Uh, I have
1: seen it. it before.
3: It's really cool. Um, it's very yeah, cool. Yeah, it, it is. It. And so what Um, sort of
1: explosive do they use for that?
3: Probably um, just a little bit of TNT or some Tannerite. Uh, Tannerite is another explosive that you can find on the open market. You can get, okay, I should say in the open market, but here in the States, you can find Tannerite. I can go to Amazon.com and buy a box of Tannerite.
1: Yeah, the best we get is a guy in a shed teaching us how to make flour and fertilizer bombs.
3: Yeah. Like, I can get Blast Cloud gender reveal targets that will have Tannerite in them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure fireworks are illegal here, so we've had to make
3: our own. Yeah, well, so... Can't go to Amazon, I'm pretty sure. Amazon is very weird about what they do and do not carry. <laughs> you uh, eBay, though, is a little bit more open. You can
0: actually buy Tannerite in Australia.
3: Oh, You really? just have to buy it from a specific location. Yeah.
1: And probably in bulk as well.
3: Yep. And uh, no, it looks like eBay actually does not uh, carry it either. Interesting. I'm probably on another list. That's fine.
1: So with um, dynamite, yep. though, we were just talking about its applications in welding and mining. Uh, it's not a plastic explosive, is it? It's uh, something no. else.
3: No, it's. Uh, if I remember right, it's it's a very fine crystalline powder. Because it, it was
1: originally invented for mining.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, by Nobel, I believe.
3: From the Nobel Nobel Prize, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, the guy who made the Nobel Prize, because he was so, uh, so appalled that people were using his invention to blow each other up, that he made a prize for peace.
3: He, basically, the Germans came over and said, Hey, we want all of your TNT, your, your TNT. It's like, oh, great! You have a lot of mines over there! And uh quickly found out the horrors of war with explosives.
1: Yeah, and he went, I just made this shit to mine with. Why are you blowing each other up with it? i got to make a Nobel Peace Prize. He
3: probably was so damn disappointed. He's like, I yeah, didn't was, want this to happen. It was
1: his legacy. Oh. He, he revolutionized the mining industry.
3: Yeah, he really did. He also made it a lot more dangerous though, because it's uh, it was still not very stable at that time uh, when they first were making it because a lot of people didn't store it properly, and so it would degrade, and uh, due to its degradation, it would spontaneously combust sometimes. So you had to have people put explosives far away from all the main shafts, and you would have to have somebody go up to it if you needed it, like you would keep it away from main shafts, you would keep it away from working shafts, and you would keep it away from where you expect to be in the future.
1: I mean, degradation or not, that's just a good idea.
3: Yeah, but specifically like, for mining, it's you need to be careful where you put it, because if you put it somewhere that's not safe, when it does degrade eventually uh, and decides to detonate, uh, you may end up having a sinkhole form in the mine above. Or layers above, uh, depending on how much goes off. So it's best to store it in piecemeal locations everywhere else. Um, I'm seeing how much I could buy. How much standard I could buy, and it's. Um, I know it can't be used for dangerous purposes without a lot of effort. but stale? Ah. Uh, whatever. It's generally used for recreational purposes here for like detonation, detonating, uh, range targets and stuff like that. So you know that, yep, I hit it because it's very impact sensitive. Well, okay, I say very impact sensitive. You have to hit it with so significant force. Uh, yeah, that's going to
1: have its dangers of its own, doesn't it? Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to carry that into, uh, anywhere where it should potentially get hit with some force.
3: No, you wouldn't. And generally speaking, it needs to be mixed with, um, so it's 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 stored in part A, part B formulations, kind of right. like how epoxy is, yep. generally speaking. Um, so the components on their own aren't really explosive. Um, the aluminum oxide and then the tenorite it, itself is a problem, but mostly because if they start burning, he, you you're not going to get that fire to go out. Like, good luck. And the biggest thing I can say for explosives in general is that um, they they have had an impact on our lives in many ways, mining to even farming in some cases, because you can use it to, well, form storage tanks, or if you're feeling really weird about it, building canals, building irrigation, uh, ponds. There's many ways to use it.
0: Just don't use it as a pesticide.
3: No. Well, pesticides need something that... Oh, geez, Agent Orange? That's a biocide, though, I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call... Well... You could call that a pesticide if you were really racist. Um, <laughs> but I think bioweapon is probably more fitting.
3: It would be, yeah, a biocide in general, because it's a bioweapon, but it's not... Because when you say bioweapon, you think of a virus or some other. Yeah, thing. like it's not a
1: it's not a chemically engineered yeah. virus. It's just a. Yeah, a, it's actually uh, just like a chemical.
3: A... It's a chemical that kills most living organisms, which is not an explosive, but could probably be dispersed as an explosive. Um, I wanted to touch on a couple other things about explosives, uh, the speed of which they're called. Uh, so there's a high explosive and there's an explosive, right? High explosive is supersonic or sonic explosives, right? You have oh, explosions yeah. that can have a visible shock wave. Those are this, called high so this, explosives. Is, this is what
1: defines them as high explosives, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's what that defines them as high explosive is do they break this, uh, do they have a shock wave and do they break the speed of sound with that shock wave, or do they have a shock front basically? And, um, not. All explosions that form mushroom clouds are nuclear. That that signature fireball from a nuclear explosion happens just because the once the shockwave disperses, air comes rushing back in to fill the gap. And as that air comes in towards the center, it starts pushing against itself, and it will go down and up. And as it goes up, it'll start forming rotating rings of smoke and fire and everything else, and that's where you'll get that really, you know, unique mushroom cloud.
1: Mm, And you see that even on incredibly small uh, explosions. If you've watched pretty much any episode of uh, of Mythbusters, you'll see that whenever they do like a small uh, You can
3: see it on gunshots even. Yeah. Little rings of smoke uh, leaving the gun barrel as the gunpowder finishes burning off all the way. I always watching those
1: videos of people shooting in the rain and the shockwave leaving the barrel like keeps the rain off. Yeah.
3: Shooting underwater is really hard by the way because the moment your bullet if if you have air in that gun barrel when you shoot, it will compress the air and then it will hit the water and immediately break the bullet. The bullet cannot survive being shot at, out of the gun. At sonic speeds, it has to be a yeah, subsonic all that friction.
1: Though, that's rapid deceleration.
3: Rapid deceleration, and because water, in fact, acts like a solid if you hit it hard enough, uh, it's like hitting a concrete wall, basically. So that bullet's gonna just write itself to pieces.
1: Shooting in space, though, mm, in a vacuum,
3: reaction. There's a reaction. The bullet would definitely oh, yeah. tumble more, though, especially if it had spin.
1: The recoil would be
3: insane. Yes and no. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. We haven't done any tests, as far as I'm aware, of like shooting guns and mass on the moon or in space in general, because the risks of you fucking up and destroying your entire own uh, station um, is a little yeah. too yeah. high. It's, it's too much. Too of, much risk. Of, um,
1: shooting guns in a vacuum, but not really in zero g.
3: Yeah, in a vacuum the the bullet will still be affected by gravity and will eventually drop. Uh, that does yeah. not mean that, you know, it doesn't experience some friction of some kind because even in the void of space there is some gas and there's also the coronal discharge of our fucking sun. Which mm. speaking of our sun, we use explosives to set off the most dangerous explosives we have in our Arsenals as humans. The nuclear bomb. Mm. The nuclear bomb is set off by another explosion. Because it oh, okay. The older styles. The newer styles, I'm not sure. I'm not gonna even hypothesize other than probably still using explosives, but maybe with some extra safeties. We've well, it's dropped just a, it's all- just a primer, isn't it? Yeah, well, so like even, the detonation even itself, so you have a primer that it is a small explosive, then you have the primary explosive after that, which accelerates the near near critical mass of plutonium or uranium, fissile material into another piece of fissile material, where it then turns into a nuclear explosion. That explosion is controlled, right? And will not happen unless we, you know, set everything accordingly. We Americans, specifically, because I'm not going to be able to get any information from Russia. Russia, by and large, has historically not liked people looking too deeply into what it actually has records on. It happened during the USSR times. It's happening now. We're probably going yeah, the full truth.
1: They don't like people looking into it because, as it turns out, they don't really have anything.
3: Yeah, nah. it's hard. It's I mean, hard to say what exactly know. they do and do not have, but uh, we're mystery. not talking about Russia today. At least, not yet. No. <laughs> no. Despite current bit, events. No, today we're talking about explosives and similar fare, and that would include the nuclear bomb. So, we we have dropped uh, bombs on ourselves multiple times in the States. But mm. we've also dropped bombs into Greenland and a couple other areas of the world during the Cold War and the Red Scare, we, um... We I've had seen the was...
1: video of uh, all the locations that, um, Yeah. There's, there's a, a lot. lot. Like there's a of lot, stars. and
3: it's like, oh boy, I'm glad that they've been designed the way they are because, no matter what happens, they are very unlikely to detonate. Yes, they they... They are more of a they are more of a radiological hazard than they are a nuclear explosive mm. hazard because mm. of the way they are designed. They are designed to require that primer going off as well as that primary explosive going off to then accelerate it sufficiently enough into the other fissile piece of material. At least with the older styles and the thermal barracks, uh, thermonuclear. Those ones are really safe as far as I can tell, just from looking at descriptions and diagrams that are now released to the public within reason, I guess. Explosions are scary. Nuclear explosions are scarier still. And they also come with the risk of EMP, electromagnetic pulse. Those can be formed using electronics, and we can experience them when there's a sufficiently large coronal discharge hitting the Earth's magnetic sphere. But uh, EMPs, specifically from nuclear bombs, are very dangerous in that uh, we can de- we can cause one at any time with a nuclear fallout just to fuck you.
1: So <laughs> EMPs, though, are they are they dangerous to um, like uh, personnel or are they mostly?
3: I- no, they sh- they shouldn't be. The EMP in and of itself shouldn't be dangerous unless you have maybe you know, uh, in ear monitors, uh, a pacemaker, or something else. Um, we ha- we have MRI machines, right? They have magnetic fields that are so much stronger than the Earth's natural magnetic field. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's no maximum magnetic field exposure for humans. <laughs> like, hey. You can only be covered in this many Teslas because that's that's how we measure the strength of the magnetic field is a, a, a Tesla. That's what we call it. Right. One Tesla is about one Earth's magnetic field, if I remember right. Let me see. It's going to be. But, so P, what yes. is it right?
1: like? Like an EMP goes off and all the MRI machines just fucking explode. Like what?
3: Well, I so... guess
1: uh, my, my question is: uh, an EMP goes off. What does that look like?
3: We don't see it. We'll see what happens, though, as it travels to the the electric grid specifically. The electric grid will react to it because those are all wires just hanging in the air, being buried underneath the ground, running along to our freaking television boxes in our homes. They act as conductors and receivers all the time for, you know, radio signals. If, If you go back to using an mp3 player and it doesn't have an antenna and you wonder why it uses it, how it gets uh that radio signal it's using your headphones as an antenna so if, if the mp3 compla- player complains that it needs a pair of headphones to get a radio signal that's why it's using your cables as a radio antenna and the radio antenna will also pick up EMP. mp because it's an electro magnetic pulse, electro being the key word there. Explosions that cause those are primarily nuclear, but I, I'm pretty sure we found ways to make non nuclear, electro EMP bombs. I have well, not. It's,
1: it's really just a research. bit of a like it's a major inconvenience. In EMP.
3: Oh no, no, no! It's more than that. Because it will also fry... It'll fry capacitors, it'll fry transformers. Like, the amount of energy that an AMP carries and will force through the grid will be devastating. Like, if we do not prepare for it properly, we will not recover from it in a timely manner. Because it affects cars, it affects electronics, it affects um, manufacturing plants, if they're not sufficiently old-school, quote-unquote. Um, and what there's scale a lot of things is this are happening at? Uh, assuming just city-wide, like, even city-wide. Like, if you have an oh, air detonation of a nuke above the city, uh, the surrounding area and, like, the next 500 kilometers around it.
1: So, aside from the Very nuke crazy. itself, which is, I mean, a, you know, overlooking a, yeah. a fucking nuke is a bit of a laugh, but the, the, an EMP could, you know, uh, cripple a city for a, a significant amount of time.
0: Yeah. like I, the, um have done a bit of research on EMPs when I was having a bit of a Uh-oh. chat with Darian earlier just in relation to EMPs and motor vehicles. And most, yeah. most motor vehicles made before the early 2000s won't really be badly affected by an EMP. Even if they're running. Like, they, they'll ha- they will have some issues, like your lights will go crazy... And all that sort of stuff. Some of them might stall, but out of the majority of the vehicles, they will still be able to run.
2: It's cars and trucks. Um, oh, good. Yeah. It's more of the it's more the high tech stuff that like pretty much is reliant on and some of the computers. lower tech
3: stuff that has a lot of windings and the transformers, especially electronic substations and other a uh, piece of equipment like that will be affected pretty badly.
0: Yeah. it's so like, if, mm. you're, if you're in an old-ish car... And you'll be fine. Like, if, if you get hit by an EMP, the most likely thing that's going to happen is your engine shuts off, and you'll just have to restart it.
3: That's assuming you don't have an all-mechanical, you know, system.
0: Oh, yeah. If you've got an all-mechanical system, you'll be fine.
3: Yeah. Well, your battery might get fucked, or some cables might melt, but like ultimately, you'll be fine. You can rerun cables and be just fine.
2: Nah, you can't rerun cables, man. I mean, nah, 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 nah. 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 That's why if if you if you split some of your wires in your car and it's more than like five years old, the insurance will just go nah, (laughs) right off. (laughs) Oh, sure. Because it's just... It's it's too hard. And, like, they've done it before, right? They've rewired cars. And you always have, like, phantom issues. Like, it's never the same. Like, I've heard plenty of stories of cars being rewired, and it's just... They're never the same. For whatever reason, they just... Yeah. It... It frickin' screws up the car somehow. So just don't damage your wires.
1: What about, um, military vehicles? Alex, do, um... Does the military, the US military, in we this keep case, them
3: pretty basic? They're do you like have fail
1: safes against EMPs. Well, if they're
2: pretty basic, that is a fail do, safe.
3: But like, there are systems within the vehicles themselves. So a lot of the vehicles are hardened to a certain degree. Um, but not all vehicles are hardened to the same standard. Like some are more than the others, especially if they're seaburn qualified. So, seaburn is uh, chemical, biological, radiological, uh, or nuclear. Yep. Uh, if they're seaburn qualified and those vehicles are seaburn qualified, like per the manufacturer at least, then they should be able to withstand a certain amount of an AMP's strength. Uh, that does not mean that they are immune because they will be affected by, it, especially the more sensitive uh, systems in those machines. Um, they have computers in them. Some of them do, at least. Just for tracking purposes or for uh visibility of the battlefield.
1: What about, like, small arms and personal equipment?
3: Outside of the fancier stuff, a, a gun is a gun is a gun. Like, we don't have... Like, okay. Guns will be just fine. Some sites will probably get a little fucked up. Some uh fancy... Things like the Javelin, for example, might not react very well to it. But they should be fine for the most part. The big thing I'm worried about is the com- the, the commercial, the civilian market. Because it's more, that's well, who's going to suffer the most under an EMP.
2: Well, more logistics. If we lose, like, yeah. trucks, trains, boats, like, cargo ships... You know, yeah. it's more where the ones like this, this is where me and Troy argued a lot, yeah. Because I was more like, bro, if we lose everything, days, like everything goes, goes, yeah, you do not want to stay around normal civilian areas because eventually everything will run out and people will not be nice to one another as so they always, yeah. You know,
3: there's one thing I wanted to discuss, um, that I am personally more familiar with, and that is IEDs. And indirect fire and explosives used in that capacity. Uh, my background is primarily in IT, but I was a 25 uniform with the U.S. military for three years, eight months, and 27 days. I know that number because I'm a little salty about what I've done. Um, but I would not not go to the Army again. Um, IEDs, if they're done right, you will not know that they're there until they detonate. Wow, you do not generally have a chance. That being said, there are ways to discover them. There are ways to detonate them early. Um, generally speaking, if you know you're traveling the same route every day, look for suddenly new construction. Look for really moist dirt, because or really recently disturbed dirt, because that could be somebody has buried something there or a mine was placed there. IED Mm. is Um, unidentified explosive device. No, Uh, IED is an improvised explosive device. This could Ah, be, uh, and this also rolls into explosively formed detonators, or uh, no, explosively formed penetrator. That's what it is. EFPs, Uh, similar to a high explosive anti-tank shell or uh, weapon, but not the same in that it doesn't reach the same state that a, a heat shell does. A heat shell fires a jet of copper and is generally manufactured to a higher tolerance. EFPs are lower velocity comparatively, and are a lot more devastating when they do impact, and they're yeah. generally used in a standoff capacity. They they can go through more anti-heat uh, systems than, and, than a high-explosive anti-tank shell would. Because it's more mass that has to be disturbed and more mass that has to be disrupted by the armor or whatever you're hiding behind. IEDs, um, they're made with fertilizers, they're made with all sorts of things. They are things that you won't necessarily see and can be detonated by someone remotely. There are jammers that can jam phone calls that will be used to detonate those explosives. They also may or may not decide to kill your fertility, depending on if, on if you sit on the box that generates all those radio waves. But they'll save your life.
0: So what you're saying is if you want to have kids, don't sit on don't radio sit on the box.
3: Yeah, don't sit on the radio box. The, the Duke system is what it's called. It's meant to just jam cell phones and most radio frequencies, except for those that we use. And even then, it's like, hey designed to jam even us a little bit unless we program otherwise mm-hmm. um
1: at what point does an explosive like what what is required for it to be improvised like i mean obviously the materials. it just
3: needs to it needs to be it needs to be made out of materials that you either get from so like for example uh artillery shells they're full of explosives but you might not have the weapon system to actually fire them properly. So you'll take the charges and you'll take the explosive filler of the high explosive shell or the high uh, heat shell and repurpose that to make your explosive, your detonator, your pipe bomb, whatever you want to call it or whatever you want to make. And they can be hidden in, you know, bags of detergent, or in Bags of Potatoes. And they can be on your person if you decide to become a suicide bomber. They are, by and large, the hardest thing to fight and discover properly. Um, especially with a sufficiently determined enemy.
1: Well, I guess, yeah, it's by design. They're designed to be concealable yeah. and difficult to trace the origins of.
3: Yeah, well, so generally, um, from my experience at least, IADs would have one person making them, because generally speaking, it requires a lot of skill, like a base amount of skill, to do it safely and not blow yourself and your entire shop up. Uh, earlier on, there were plenty of examples of people who didn't know what they were doing, blowing themselves up and like a couple dozen or even hundreds of people along with them because of their ineptitude. So, ID makers are generally short-lived. But when they aren't, uh, they're a little terrifying.
2: Yeah, because they're really good.
3: Yeah, well, they're really good about using the people who generally won't come back and who won't reveal something. Or if they do, mm-hmm. it's after the fact. Uh, the other thing that's really disturbing to fight against as far as explosives go are, is indirect fire. So that's your mortar, your artillery, uh, your missiles being thrown from a hind or a helicopter or just a grad system when they inc- when they're coming in you won't always get that whistling sound you'll just get boom that's it no mm-hmm. yeah that mortar sound that that that
1: yeah that that whistling noise. sound actually i uh the origins of that i believe uh trace back to the second world war i believe and it was yeah. a very very specific model of uh bomb that did that and
3: it, it was primarily sort of a terror weapon yeah, it was it's meant to similar to the terror, Stuka, a psychological issue. Yeah, because you siren. just
0: you'd hear the siren of the Stuka go off, and you'd know it's diving. Fucking run!
3: But Someone's be... going to explode. Yeah. Um, that's the big thing with the with the indirect fire, though, is that you generally won't always hear it. If you do, it's it's because they want you to hear it. Yeah. You will just hear like you you might hear it like the shockwave. Especially if it was launched sonically, but then slowed down to subsonic speeds. Mm. By what I mean is that it'll have a shock front traveling in front of it, and and you'll hear the crack, the report, of that weapon breaking the sound barrier. And then you'll find out that, oh, this was an explosive. Oh, shit. Mm. And then you'll hear the detonation. It'll be a quick realization of, oh, oops. It could Um, also
0: be your last realization.
3: It could be. It could be. Uh, you definitely feel, by the way, when things are being detonated. Like, if, if something lands nearby, you will feel it in your chest when it detonates.
0: Oh yeah, I'd, I'd we... imagine you'd feel it in your whole body. Because we, uh, yeah. we've had some accidents here with people dropping things that are very heavy. And even that, just being around that, yeah, you can just feel the it. The shockwave.
3: Yeah. And it's but, like, oh. um, Another thing is HIMARS, like missiles. Missile systems like the HIMARS. It's not an explosive, but it might as well be an explosive. The jet, the rocket engines on those vehicles, they are by definition not really an explosive because it doesn't go all off at once. It's a steady mm. burn. It's a very violent and steady burn, but it's still a steady burn of this really energetic compound that if it were contained, it would be an explosion. And you can feel it the entire time. It's just a shake of your entire body as it's going up in the air and off.
0: I imagine that's what, really that's cool. what astronauts would feel like when they're taken off.
3: They, they're they feeling G-forces as well. Yeah, as well like, as the, well as the thing thing G-forces,
0: shaking. but like the yeah. shaking thing.
3: Yeah. Those, those explosions like that and other things are really cool. Um, this was more of just a kind of rambling rant on explosions in general because my knowledge is more geared to the military. And touching on those topics can be a little difficult depending on what we decide to touch on. Like, if we want to talk guns. I can talk guns all day, but only with oh, the, limited. The, we
0: are going to have a couple of episodes about guns, or at least <laughs> one from my perspective. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I think I've talked about guns as much as I care to.
3: Yeah. yeah it it it's because I'm American that guns it, kind of come up sometimes, and my background also doesn't help because i even now I'm like looking at what's happening in the military world, we're finally getting new things happening for the army in general, all these things are changing, and I'm still keeping abreast with it just because it's interesting to watch mm. and see how things change and uh, a final piece of advice for those individuals out there. Military grade does not mean good.
2: Hey, <laughs> there, are,
3: there are many things that you could say is military grade, and I'll point at it and say, that's hot garbage. Go buy this thing off eBay instead. Mm-hmm. Military
1: grade is just, you know, the cheapest thing we could afford in mass. It's the
3: cheapest thing that meets these minimum standards. It does not mean that those are good for what you want to do. Yeah. What about industrial military grade? Yeah, it industrial field grade, grade or military is sort of grade. the
0: same thing
3: yeah point is that it just because it says military grade or field grade does not mean it is actually worth your money yeah take a look at exactly what it's trying to say it meets And then decide whether you want to throw your money at that $200 watch when really a $50 watch or even less, a fucking $20 one from eBay or Amazon can cover your needs just fine. Even a
0: a $5 one from Wish.
3: Even a $5 one from Wish, a little Secchio or Casio watch, a little $5 jobby would do you just fine.